Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that usually explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. But since it's E3, we're doing things a little bit differently today. We've taken a peek into the future, and we've seen what it holds, and oh my god, babies. Babies everywhere. (laughs) My name's Abu, and that's Leo, and that is his weird, dramatic way of saying that on this episode, we're going to talk about the Sony press conference from E3, which we just got finished watching like 10 minutes ago. I'm hyped. Are you hyped, Leo? Oh my God. This was going to be so exciting, and it was so exciting, and I'm so happy it paid off. Going into it, I'm like, I know I'm going to be let down. I know I'm going to be disappointed. And holy shit, I wasn't. It was so good. There was a lot of good stuff, and... We should just jump right into it because there's a lot of ground to cover. Let's try to go as chronologically as we can. And of course, we got to start off with the big game of the show, Last of Us, right off the bat. They started off in this tent and everybody's like, why are they in a tent? And then the game trailer begins and I wrote, same tent, holy shit. They (laughs) set you up to ask the question and then they just slam the answer down and It starts off with some amazing world building. We see Ellie with, uh, I didn't catch her name, but her name was said in the, in the, uh, in the demo. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know who that woman is. Do you have any idea? I feel like she's important to the story. Because Ellie didn't have any tattoos at the end of the last game, I was a little unclear on the timeline, but this looks like maybe later on Ellie is found a, found a community of people. And this is a new person that we've never seen before. I mean, the trailer itself was incredible. So good. Just the fact that it wove the scene of this party and Ellie relaxing, but not really being completely comfortable and weaving that in with her brutal, brutal past future. We don't actually know the timeline yet, but that was just so incredible and so dark and so brutal. The combat looked fucking sick. It was Ugh, cinematic. So there were these amazing dodges that looked like Hollywood level choreography, way better than Hollywood. Every <laughs> every hit felt real. Like when she got hit in the head with a hammer and everything went fuzzy, I like flinched. I was like, oh, that sucks. Poor Ellie, you know. I mean, I was cringing every time she was slitting somebody's throat. Like oh, I was God. just like, the camera is really zooming in there and uh, I'm going to be woozy. <laughs> like it's just so gory and so brutal. Just the picture that they're, that they're painting of Ellie. Yeah. They are obviously crafting this darker story of Ellie and making her out to be somebody that you should be afraid of. I mean, in the trailer, the woman said, Ellie, they should be terrified of you. And I wrote down in my notes, I scribbled, I'm terrified of Ellie. <laughs> I'll also say 
Naughty Dog does so many things well. To see them putting, making Ellie into an LGBTQ person, yes, whether she's yes. a lesbian or she's bisexual or whatever's going on, adding that, but in a way that didn't feel forced and didn't feel unreasonable and didn't like fly in the face of the established character in the first game. I'm just like, thank you. And again, normalize LGBTQ, please. Treat it as a thing that is just normal, right? It shouldn't be the central part of the story and it shouldn't influence anything in the story. It just is who Ellie is and nothing more than that, nothing less than that. Last of Us 2, the story of a lesbian. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> never, never. So after the, the rush of The Last of Us and seeing such an incredible game, this horribly paced press conference immediately pivoted to Destiny 2. Do you have a single thing to say about Destiny 2? Because I don't. My stream cut out, so I didn't see any of the Destiny stuff, but I played Destiny 1 enough to be like, oh, I get it. I just run this same level a thousand times, and then eventually I have fun with someone. Like, eventually I get the cool thing. So I enjoyed Destiny, but I am not necessarily clinging to new news about new games because it's just it's just another game at this point. Yeah, I, I have even less than that to say about Destiny. I played a little bit of Destiny 1 at a friend's house when it first came out. I was super uninterested and it seemed very repetitive and grindy and that's not the type of games that I am into, of course. So I have no interest in Destiny 2 and I have a feeling that a lot of the Destiny fans and community out there are also not huge fans of Destiny 2 from what I understand. Right. Okay, so the next game that we moved on to, and this was... Flute solo. Actual... <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of... There was a lot of... We, we haven't pointed this out yet, but there was a lot of like live music going on <laughs> during this press conference. Sony was really into that. It wasn't a flute, but it, it's funny to think about it as a flute. It was a... And this is why we were in this big group chat, right? And yeah. as soon as he started playing, I was like, oh, that's a Japanese wind, uh, like woodwind instrument. So this is probably going to be Shadow, uh, no, Ghost of Tsushima. And sure enough, the flute wind instrument solo led <laughs> into such a beautiful game. Oh my God. Wow. Every frame of that game was just a work of art. You seemed more excited about it than anyone else in our, in our group chat while we were all watching it. I feel like I recognize the name from somewhere, but I don't know anything about this game. The, uh, what I've read is this is an open world Japanese island simulator where you play this samurai and you're, you're driving out the Mongolian uh, invaders. The only other thing I really have to say about this besides that, again, it looks so beautiful and I'm Gorgeous. excited to see how the sort of open world aspect works. From what I've seen, it's all English voice acted, which as an English voice actor, I like that there's work for me out there. But as someone who's <laughs> somebody aware, hire me, oh, please. I know, hire me, please. Uh, <laughs> no, but the real issue of, you know, there are Japanese voice actors who I'm sure would be able to do a knock, like a knockout killer job in this game. I really hope it comes, as one of our colleagues mentioned, I hope it comes with the option to do Japanese audio natively for American audiences because. I, for one, would like to be forced into experiencing another culture in that culture's language. I agree. That would be very cool. Michael, who does the minigame series here at Lore Party, he brought that up in our group chat while we were all watching. And I think that would be incredible for both immersion, for 
sort of setting the scene and really creating that world, playing the game in native Japanese, right, would would just add to the already beautiful scenery of the game. It would be a whole another layer of just immersing yourself. Okay, so after Ghost of Tsushima, the next thing that came up was control. Resident Evil Two. You missed the control. Remake. Control. Control. Oh, control. Oh, my notes are backwards. I wrote my control note after the RE2 note. But you're right. There was a short teaser trailer for Control. Yeah. And really the only impression I got from the teaser trailer, because it didn't give a whole lot of away, it just showed a bunch of flashy scenes. The only impression I got was, well, there were two. One, another female protagonist mm-hmm. in addition to Ellie. Cool. And I think just an, as an aside... 2018 really is the year of female protagonists. There was the Battlefield 5 controversy of putting a woman on the cover, the new Assassin's Creed that was announced at the uh, at the conference earlier today. You're you can play as either a male lead or a female lead and it doesn't it affects the story, but you're essentially playing the same story out with a different character and a different lead. So 2018 seems like the year of the female protagonist and I say it's about fucking time. I'm for it. Yeah. We're totally. getting there. Totally. Uh, and then the second second impression that I got from Control was, is this Inception? <laughs> was like the first thought yeah. I had because yeah. the, one of the first lines that the main character says is something about, something Inception-y about going one more layer deeper. I don't know what to think of the game. I think it's too early to even speculate on what it could be, yeah. but it looks cool. I'm right there with you. I think it looked awesome. I wrote, what is this, comma, it looks kind of sick, period. Psychic powers, comma, lots of novel, cool-looking levels, comma, and then I didn't write anything else because I had to jot down the name of it because they gave that pretty late. So, I don't know. I mean, if it's if the plot's stupid or if the gameplay's bad, then that is not a good game. But so far, it was a good trailer. <laughs> hey, Leo, remember that game that you were moderately interested by? Well, it's fucking back. Uh, that's at least how I feel about Resident Evil 2. Or the entire Resident Evil franchise. I never played it growing up. I never played any of the previous titles. So I have no opinion on the remake. It seems cool and the crowd was very excited about it. I thought the reveal of Leon Kennedy was really cool because I played I played a few, you know, Resident Evil 4 was the first game that I really played of the Resident Evil series. I just was never really interested in it. And that fixed camera style that the early games had, I fucking hated it was like my least favorite thing. <laughs> I want to control the camera. I'm a child of the 90s, I know. The point is, you know, I was never really interested in it, but I liked some of the characters like Albert Wesker and Leon Kennedy. And I thought when Leon turned and you see it's him, I was like, oh shit, this is cool. This is the next new Resident Evil game. That's what I thought And they're returning too. to these old characters that's awesome because the most recent Resident Evil game, which was very well received, had almost nothing to do with this established lore of Resident Evil. And the game was great. Like it was just a really good game Mm -hmm. in a way that some of the other games weren't. So I was like, okay, cool. They've taken this intellectual property. They've taken it to a good place. Now let's bring back those characters that we can attach kind of nostalgia to and let's make a brand new great thing. Maybe that's the direction they're going. They're remaking two, but they're going to bring this new life to it. Ultimately, I probably won't play it because same. I want, I, I don't know. I'm just not, there's no nostalgia there for me. And right. Same. There, I just don't have a history with the franchise or a history with Resident Evil 2 specifically. So a remake is exciting for the fans and I'm happy, happy that they're getting it. And as somebody who's begging and waiting 
for a Mass Effect trilogy remake to happen. Yes, yes. I can sympathize and empathize with Resident Evil fans out there who may have been waiting a long time for a, a modern console remake of one of their favorite games. And it seems like that's finally happening. So happy for them and happy that that's coming out for the Resident Evil fans out there. Now, we have to mention the Rick and Morty game Trover Saves uh, the Universe. Which, what the fuck no, was that? not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Uh, maybe I should preface this. I watched the first season of Rick and Morty and maybe like got halfway into season two and then completely lost interest. And I completely dropped off the map when it came to Rick and Morty. I understand the internet loves Rick and Morty. I understand a lot of people out in the world are obsessed with Rick and Morty. I thought it was funny for a bit and then I thought it got super annoying that is exactly what I thought of this trailer as well. I was like, oh, this seems kind of funny and interesting. And then it got really weird and annoying. Uh, and then it got like awkwardly unfunny and nobody in the crowd was laughing. Uh, so I don't know, maybe for the fans, this is something they're looking forward to, but it seems like a weird Rick and Morty cash grab situation and not like a South Park video game situation where those games are actually good games also, not just cashing in on a franchise. It's a really good point. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor for this game. If it's a good, solid game with fun gameplay, amazing. Like that's going to be awesome. And I think the people who like Rick and Morty are going to eat it up and love it. And it's only going to be a good thing. I enjoyed it, but only because I like watching Rick and Morty because it's just so much improv and it's so much Justin Roiland just talking off the top of his head and it makes it into the final product, which is really funny to me. Uh, so I like his like, someone dial 911. Dial 711 because that's <laughs> yeah. the 911. Yeah, of this that part was very obviously universe. just like <laughs> improv rambling. Yeah. It's great. And then, oh my gosh. And then, oh my gosh. Pirates of the Caribbean. Dun, dun, da, da, dun. Oh, it has. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got Kingdom Hearts 3. More information on Kingdom Hearts 3. I feel like in the last maybe month or so, in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten more Kingdom Hearts information than we have in like the last couple of years. And it's soon. I mean, it's not like super soon, but it's, you know, less than a year, six months. That that's Yeah, I mean, January 2019 good. is, yeah. yeah, it's not as far away as you might think, especially if you've been waiting since the last Kingdom Hearts game, the main series game. I think it's also interesting because I remember watching what was announced and released at the Xbox, you know, thing, press conference yesterday, and it was 90% frozen. And I was like, man, they are leaning hard into the Frozen franchise. Like, is this game literally 80% Frozen? <laughs> like, that would be absurd. <laughs> That's true. A majority of that trailer was Frozen. And a lot of the quote unquote gameplay they showed was very much in that world, in that world alone. And that's not really why Kingdom Hearts sold you as a kid, right? Like, it was the vast number and the varied worlds that drew you in. Totally. And so... I love that in this trailer, it starts and basically inhabits for most of it in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. So I see that they're sort of across multiple press conferences, giving more and more information. And even there was a line in it that I thought was interesting and maybe is a, a hint to the plot or explicitly the plot, but the uh, the villain person who said, the seven pure lights we need and hinting at like, the, the main character's sort of potential part that he plays in that. But because uh, the, the Xbox one was all about like corrupting Elsa and making her dark and evil. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's that's like 
I don't know. Maybe that's the main plot. Yeah, th- that might potentially just be like the connecting thread. Maybe there's seven, seven main characters in seven different universes, and it's about light versus dark, which Kingdom Hearts has sort of always been about, even right. though it's... I tried to get caught up. I, I've dropped off of Kingdom Hearts a couple of years ago and just like haven't kept up with the lore. I tried to get caught up recently, and oh my god. <laughs> it's the most convoluted, like... There's so much going on in that story, but I think at its heart, and the thing that I remember from my childhood is that it's about light versus dark, about good versus evil, and about the main characters choosing their path. And I think that seems to be the connecting thread in Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. I'm excited for this game partially because, yeah, it's about light versus dark. The writing was always kind of fun. It doesn't take itself way too seriously, but it was just this good old fantasy that goes through all these different worlds. Yeah, it really does look incredible. I'm excited for it. Yeah. January is going to be an, an exciting exciting time in 2019. And then. And then. Babies. Babies and test tubes. Ew. So weird. <laughs> the <laughs> so first, weird. Literally the first scene where you're like, what is that? Is that a baby? It's a baby? Where am I? This is gross and weird. And then it gets weirder. I didn't think it could possibly get weirder than starting off in, inside of a, a womb, apparently. Oh my God. But yeah, Death Stranding, I had no interest in at all. But a lot of people, of course, are huge Hideo Kojima fans. He's really well known in the gaming industry. He's revered in the gaming industry. And this is uh, this is his first independent title, I believe. Yeah. How, like outside of working for another studio, this is his own studio. It's Konami, right? Yeah, exactly. He he left Konami. They, and... Well, they like fired him, didn't they? Like there was this huge falling out and it was shit. Right. And everybody was like, this is awful. He doesn't deserve this. He made your company what it is. And then he's on his own. He establishes his own studio. And I am so excited because, yeah, I saw the initial trailer and I was like, oh, that looks weird and interesting. But it showed nothing. This showed like sprawling, unbelievably beautiful landscapes, really rich environments, weird like delivery missions. And you're like, okay. You know, there's so many questions that this trailer brings up. I I think like just to contrast this with the control trailer that I was mentioning earlier, that trailer also showed a lot of beautiful things, Yeah, but it didn't actually tell us anything about the game or the world or give us anything to speculate about. On the complete flip side of that, this Death Stranding trailer, and sure, it, it, this the damn thing was like three minutes long. Like It was a really long, long trailer, but it showed us so much yeah. across the world. And every time you thought it was going to end, it would cut to a scene where you're like, what the, f- what the fuck? <laughs> the handprints in the mud and the, oh my and the plants growing around them. Like that reminds me of Princess Mononoke when the death and life spirits walking through the forest and the plants are like blooming around its feet. Like there was so much vibrancy to that. And basically, yeah, exactly opposite to Control. This trailer was like four minutes of just statements completely without any context like the rain makes you old and you're like what what and and then in in addition to that i mean the environments themselves i feel like this game is going to have a huge environmental aspect to it of some sort whether it's in in the gameplay and the lore and the world i feel like there's going to be something about the environment that plays a huge role in this game because they showed off not only did they show off beautiful environments 
but a huge variation of them. We went from like lush forests to fields to climbing uh, a mountainside. I mean, there were so many different environments that they showed off. The game just like every scene hints at something else in the world that just makes you go, what the fuck is happening? I want to know right now and I want to play right now. This was is really the first time I'm buying into the hype. And I think I'm finally beginning to understand the twisted, brilliant mind that is Hideo Kojima. I'm really excited to see this game. I think it should be a lot of fun. Uh, also, shout out to Boondock Saints, the movie. Norman Reedus is in that, and that's a great movie. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. <laughs> okay, so we went from Death Stranding to the next thing in my notes, and this might actually be out of order. There was like a very small, small teaser trailer for Neo 2. Yeah, Neo 2. And I heard Neo 1 was good, and there seems to be a cult following for it, but I really have no I idea what it is or what Neo, if whether or not I should be excited for Neo 2. Yeah, I wrote, don't know much about it, ninjas turning into demons and that's those are my notes <laughs> yeah yeah and i i do think that like this is the year of we've oversaturated japan i think so i think so there's there's that other game that we were talking about earlier at the microsoft conference oh gosh yeah the, what was that the death doesn't die twice or something like that <laughs> i don't know what it dead was. people die more than once sometimes <laughs> uh shadows yeah, die twice we are definitely getting a huge surge surge of japanese games all of a sudden. Sekiro shadows die twice. Yeah. I mean, we had the World War II push. We had the like gritty sci-fi push. Looks like this is the year of the Japan push, which I'm not mad at it. I'm not opposed to. Yeah. I mean, more of that, more of that in my life. So the last thing we have to talk about to wrap up Marvel's Spider-Man. Yes. And they showed a lot of Spider-Man, a lot more than last year. Last year, we had just a couple minutes of potentially like pre-recorded gameplay that we weren't really sure whether or not somebody was actually playing. Right. This year, we got gameplay, we got this extended trailer, we got a look at a ton of the villains in the game, and then after the show ended, they did a live gameplay session where they uh, sort of swung around New York City and beat up some bad guys just to prove that this game was real time and like it was happening all in real time. Um, what are your thoughts? Because I have a bit of a bit of a controversial take on spider-man yeah i wasn't really looking forward to it but today's showing was great i mean i thought it i is this the same developer that does batman like arkham asylum it might be inspired by that but i don't think it's the same developer uh in the post post show interview they were talking about the previous games they've done and they've done like sunset overdrive which is like another oh yeah open world game so i don't think this is the same developer that does the arkham games but the you're right that's exactly what the gameplay looks like. So I, I, I wrote down Spider-Man feels right. And part of this was during the combat, it's so easy for your avatar, your little character to be just anybody who's doing set generic like punches and kicks and stuff. It, it's really clear that the development team went out of their way to make sure that this feels like Spider-Man the entire time. Like he's so acrobatic. He's very light and very slim but he's still like there's a point where rhino punches and he catches rhino's punch yeah <laughs> and there was this great moment where like 
the goblin is interrupted like he's starting a speech and he's like yeah. i can't wait to and he like stops him with some web yeah, and yeah. Gets i think it was actually him. falcon but yeah like oh, falcon. falcon grabs yeah. him mid-jump and then he's just like oh spider-man i'm gonna blah, blah, blah. And, then, <laughs> and then before he can even finish his thought spidey just splats a bunch of web right into his face and shuts him up and then throws him aside yeah yeah i think they i think they're definitely nailed the look and feel of spider-man both from like a writing voice acting story perspective and the actual gameplay the only thing that i'm a little bit worried about is how much of what we're seeing is actual player input and player movement and how much of it is like if you press this button spider-man does this cool spider-man looking thing because I, I could see that becoming old very very quickly i was just thinking the whole time that it was like batman arkham asylum where you're only pushing one or two buttons, but you very, very satisfyingly feel like Batman swinging around, hitting people in these cool kick flips and these great like elbows and knees, the way that he fights in the comics and the and the, the cartoons. The one thing that would like the one dumb thing that would probably convince me to just buy the game is I work in New York and I'm in the city all the time. It would be so cool to just swing around a perfectly accurate New York. Yeah. It costs, if you don't know this and you don't live in New York, it costs $35 to take the elevator to the top of the One World Trade Center building. If this game is full price, $60, just twice as much. And you can do it as many times as you want on the outside of the building as Spider-Man. That's as Spider-Man. Half the price. Half the price <laughs> to do it in real life. I don't know. That's, you know, 30 minutes of my life and a long wait. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really interested in the interactivity of New York because I think the city has to be another character in this game. That's a huge reason I love the Assassin's Creed franchise and why it's one of my favorite franchises is because I get to visit these cities in the 1400s, in the 1500s. I get to see like Renaissance Italy in a way that I would never be able to experience in real life. And they've tried to make it as historically accurate as possible based off of a lot of research and a lot of work on the developer's part. And I, that's what I appreciate about the game. It's a time machine to let me travel to renaissance italy in a way that i never could and i think that would be very cool to see new york even though i can travel to it right now still can't climb to the top of the one world trade center i will say my last thought on spider-man the ending of the demo the the trailer bothered me so spider-man starts getting his ass handed to him he gets real beat up that's cool i dug that i like seeing mistakes i like seeing that he is injurable that he's not invincible but then there's a cliffhanger like he falls and he's on the thing and then there's light and you hear someone and he looks up and he goes, you or something. And I'm like, just show me who it is. Like, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to buy- The worst your, kind of cliffhanger. I'm not going to buy your fucking game to see the one frame next. You know, I'm just going to look at someone's gameplay or they're going to have a picture of it on IGN. Yeah, it's 2018. That kind of like blue balling somebody on a shitty cliffhanger like that is just so annoying. So that bothered me, but I will still probably buy the game. I don't even love Spider-Man that much, but the city looked so smooth. So yeah. yes, I... Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm impressed. But yeah, that that was the, the Sony E3 press conference that we got this year. And all in all, I thought it was great. Yeah. And I liked, I liked the sort of extended musical performances because it was a bold move. Again, I celebrate when people make the decision, we're going to do this, and some people might not respond to it. But it is true to what we want to do. We're going to have this guy play an extended, beautiful banjo thing. 
so ultimately, I thought it was great. Great job, Sony. Well, that wraps it up for this special E3 episode. As always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the show. Be sure to subscribe to us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. We'll be back to discussing lore in our favorite video game universes after E3. 